My love. I am so happy and so pleased to announce that this episode is brought to you by my very own company, Savage Chocolates, which is all about cultivating a more loving relationship to your body and to food. You know, we don't really believe in guilty pleasure. We just believe in pleasure done well. And have you ever had that uh, candy bar or a thing of ice cream and you eat it and you're like, wait, I don't, I don't remember eating that. (laughs) Wait, where'd that go? (laughs) Well, that's why I created Savage Chocolates because I know the importance of pleasure. And I think that we don't slow down enough to actually experience it. And so... If you are wanting to eat mindfully, if you are wanting to be reminded of how to actually experience your pleasure, then please go to www.savagelosangeles.com to order your goods. All right, you guys, let's get to it. Hi, my loves. Welcome back to Savage Lifecast. Alexa here, and I'm so grateful to be connecting with you. I have to say right off the bat that my sweet little Hugo bear, my sweet French bulldog is asleep on my lap as I record this. And I'm recording this from West Hollywood, California. So if you're hearing sounds from the outside world, or if you're hearing a little French bulldog snore, I was hoping he would kind of do that on command. Just, oh, there it is. I don't know if you heard that, but that is what's happening in the world. And I like to keep shit real. So here we are. Um, Also, Oh, that was a loud one. That was a loud snore. I hope you, I hope you caught that. Um, let's begin with a little drop in, a little check in, if you will. I invite you to go ahead and close the eyes. If you are not driving, obviously, if you are driving, please keep those eyes focused, honey, keep them focused. Um, otherwise let's turn that awareness inward and begin to just follow your breath Yeah, starting to see the inhales and see the exhales as if you could see them from the inside out. Just noticing them, riding them, riding the waves of the inhalation, the wave of the exhalation, and that little sliver of moment of nothing in between. And as you slow your breath down, can you begin to notice? Can you begin to notice which takes up more space? Your inhalation or your exhalation? Yeah. You know, the yogis believe your inhalation is your ability to receive and your exhalation is your ability to give. So just notice which one you're spending maybe a little bit more time doing and then notice if you can balance them out. Notice if you can make them a little bit more steady, a little bit more even. Yeah. And as you deepen the connection to the breath and as you deepen the connection to what's happening right now, 
I invite you to tune in to how you'd like to feel. When you really think about it, you know, everything that we do, everything that we have, we do it or have it not necessarily because of the thing itself. We do it or have it because of the feeling that it creates within us, right? The feeling that it creates. Right? Like I have this car because it makes me feel safe. I have this house because it makes me feel uh, abundant. I have this person in my life because they make me feel loved. It's all about the feeling that it evokes. So how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? And just for the next few breaths, can you start to give your breath that quality, whatever the feeling is that you want to evoke? Can you give your breath that quality and simply soak it in? Soaking it into every cell, every muscle, every fiber, all the way down into the marrow of your bones. Just receiving it. Let's take three breaths all together. Deep inhale. Deep exhale. Glorious. Twice more. Deep inhalation. Deep exhalation. One more time. Full inhale. Sigh it out this time. So good. And you can come back to the space by opening the eyes or if they were already open, then hey, welcome. (laughs) It's all good. Cool. So during that process, that little check in, I talked about how we want to feel and, and it kind of blows my mind. I was writing about this the other day that Sometimes it's really, really difficult to choose things and people and experiences that are actually good for us. I'll say that again. Sometimes it's really, really difficult to actually choose people, places, and things and experiences that are good for us. And when I see that, it's like, oh God, that's so sad, but it takes us a while to like actually get used to the right stuff, right? Like I used to be so attracted to unavailable people that like when I was rejected, that was like a weird turn on for me. Like it was like, oh, this is a project. Like I'm going to take this on. And you know what that project did for me is it kept me from looking at my own shit. And or sometimes we are really addicted to food that makes us like super bloated, right? But we're like, oh, but it tastes so good. It's like, who cares? Like whatever. But that's not really like in alignment with how you want to feel, right? Make a different choice. 
but we keep choosing the same one, even though it makes us uncomfortable, even though it takes us out of the feeling that we want to experience and procure. It's interesting, right? I just, I think that's fascinating. But the beautiful thing is, is that we can make different choices. We can make different choices whenever we want. We don't have to like wait until our birthday or New Year's or some like pivotal thing to happen. We can make choices whenever we want. I made the choice one day that I was going to stop letting certain people into my life. But I, again, I used to date these projects and I was attracted to people who could not choose me. And I I thought that these people were soulmates. No, no, no. They were wound mates. They kept activating the same shit. This feeling of being an afterthought of, of not being chosen felt very familiar to me, right? Sometimes the thing that is familiar is not the good thing. Sometimes the thing that's familiar is being the afterthought or, um, or again, like I, 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 I'm doing my best these days to keep it super real and to share intimate things about myself. But my, my trigger in always sharing things about myself is that people often listen to it and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm not, I'm not sorry at all. Right. We've all been through shit. So if that's your reaction, stop trying to fix me, fix yourself. Um, I'm good. I have a therapist. I'm all set. (laughs) Right. But like, I used to be really, really comfortable starving myself. Right. As a person who had an eating disorder for much of my life, particularly in college was really the height of it. But I, I always had a, a rough, a rough relationship with food. Right. And I was really comfortable in the discomfort of starvation or dichotomously, there was a time in my life too, where I was really comfortable being so full that I couldn't think about anything else. Right. This comfort in discomfort and to choose something different for a while is really uncomfortable right? Like choosing a partner who can actually love you might be really uncomfortable. Choosing a way of moving your body that is, depending on your style, more gentle or less gentle, right? Might be really uncomfortable. It's so funny because I think when most of us think about discomfort, we think of, um, we think of being like more gentle with ourselves. And that can totally be the case, right? But sometimes being more comfortable, it's not always about making it easier, right? It's sometimes about making it harder. Like sometimes the last thing I want to do, right, is like clean my kitchen. (laughs) Like I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want nothing to do with that. It's an uncomfortable thing to do. Right. But I know that it's going to lead me to feeling the way that I want to feel, which is like organized and grounded and like I deserve good things in the world. Right. So it's about sitting in that discomfort, 
doing things that we don't always want to do, right? Being more comfortable is not always easy. And again, it's like I look at my relationship to movement, like what's really uncomfortable for me is actually doing less. Part of the reason I became a yoga teacher is because of that, right? Like I had to learn to do less. I had to learn to not like take three spin classes a day. Like what was I out running? Like what was I trying to run away from? Right? When we're constantly going so fast all the time, it behooves us to actually look, what am I trying to outrun? What am I trying to avoid feeling? And if we're not moving at all, why are we stuck? Right? Why are we, why are we so stagnant? Why are we afraid to put one foot in front of the other? And on many levels, I really get it because this is a really wild time to be alive. I think that this year has brought so much to the surface, so much, more than we ever thought could be. There's a reason it's called 2020, right? A little 2020 vision for you. Things are becoming clear, right? The stuff that's been lying underneath the surface is coming to a head. But it's really, um, it's really fascinating because I find that this is one of the most polarized and divided times. And I think because of things like social media and because of our ability to connect with people all over the planet, we see it a lot more now, right? I'm, I'm sure that things were always quite polarized, but now we get to like see the rants on social media. I mean, it's like if you want to if you want to go deep and dark into the trials and tribulations of chaos, then please do go and follow any politician on social media and you will read some crazy shit, like truly truly wild stuff. Um but that that polarization and that um division leads us to not really feeling safe because the truth is, is that we are actually a tribal system. Like when we were, uh, first, you know, when humans were first creating civilization, civilizations to live in, right. We lived in community, in community. Wow. I'm going to take a deep breath because my voice is not doing what I wanted to. So let's just take a moment. We lived in communities and that was the way it was intended. And that was an easier system because people were there to support. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a mother and I am the only person mothering this child. It's like the community is there. The grandmother is there. The aunt is there. We're all in it together to caretake and to support the system, which is why being, being, um, banished, as they would say in Shakespearean terms, from a community is, is basically sudden death. And in this time where we're all so divided, I can't help but think our biology is still kind of responding in that way. That like that sense of incredible us and them division leads to a fearfulness and a, an anger and a rage that is 
really, really wild and also makes us not feel inclined to be as vulnerable as we would like because the backlash can be serious. I, um, I posted something on social media when, um, the black lives matter movement was really, you know, in full swing. And of course it still is. Um, but right when, um, George Floyd had been murdered and I posted something and a woman wrote something to the effect of, I follow you on social media because I want to know yoga and yoga is Zen and relaxing and this is politics and stop bringing politics to your page. Um, I back the blue. And she's allowed to do, say and do what she wants. I get it. It is my page. So I also get to post whatever the fuck I want. But it was really interesting because, and I wasn't expecting to talk about this. I love that this is coming up because I find that often when those sorts of things get said in a very aggressive way, that extreme polarization gets activated and we have the tendency to kind of like emotionally, um, (laughs) so gross, but so real, like it's an emotional offshoot, right? Like emotional masturbation, right? It's like, fuck you, rather than creating any sort of vulnerability vulnerability or intimacy by having a conversation and asking questions. And I think she was expecting for me to be like, cool, unfollow, don't care. But I, my whole deal is that I am learning to be a less reactive human uh, because reactivity is like, where it's at for me. I'm a Scorpio and I'm intense and I'm a lot and, and that's part of my learning and I'm not mad about it. So I took a second, I took some deep breaths and I was like, well, what would be, what would be the most productive, what would be the most productive thing that I could say right now? I was like, well, I think, I think the healing begins with understanding drawing someone closer because I think we're all so busy being divided and screaming at each other that actually really nothing is, nothing is shifting. So I asked her, I was like, Hey, can we start a dialogue? I really, I'd really like to have this conversation because I think it's really important. Um, a, Yoga is not about being Zen. It's just not, right? Yoga was actually founded in psychology. It's about self-study. And the word asana, which is at the end of every single yoga pose, right? Utkatasana, trikonasana, arda chandrasana. It's all in asana. The word asana means seat. And we train the mind and the body to sit in all sorts of different positions, And we practice being present through them all. So it's not about being Zen. It's about being present through everything from chair pose, which is not so comfortable, to Shavasana, which is just lying there, right? And we learn to be present through all of it, 
And whether you're a yoga person or not, it's all good. You know, like it's all good. But I think the, I think the message stays the same. That we just need to clear that up, right? That any sort of self-study is not about being all like peace, love, and rainbows. In fact, that's called bypassing. And when we're just all peace, love, and rainbows all the time, which I, hey, more power to you, I just don't fucking buy it. I just don't buy it. I think if you're living a life on purpose and if you are playing full out and if you are making some waves in the world, it's not going to be all peace, love, and rainbows all the time. But the beautiful thing is, is we can learn to sit with the things that are not peace, love, and rainbows without having to check out or become so painfully reactive that we end up doing harm to ourselves or others. Right? So I explained that. And so I then proceeded to ask her how she got to back the blue because it was the whole hashtag, like back the blue, like behind the cops, which again, entitled to her stuff. She's so allowed, but I just wanted to understand. And she said, I would love to tell you how I got there, but I don't want to do it on your page because it'll be a bashing. And I said, it will not be a bashing. I will not let it be a bashing. I want to have a conversation. She said, I'll DM you. I said, great, please do. Um, but I think it would be more productive if we had this conversation out in the open because maybe we can get people to understand both sides rather than just kind of throw hashtags and slogans and phrases around that frankly, we don't even, we don't know the whole story. We don't know all the stuff. I don't know. You know, it's like, who knows? Unfortunately, she was never able to have a conversation with me via DM either, which was a bummer. Um, I reached out. She never responded. Um, because I think people are so stuck in their story and so, uh, stuck in their perception of right or wrong that the thought of actually having to explain how they got there, because I don't think people know how they got there. That's the thing. Just like we don't know necessarily exactly how we got to choosing things that aren't good for us, right? Like, how did I get there? How did I get to that place where I used to like love the boys that were like, I just got out of a seven year relationship. Yeah, sure. I'm down to have sex, but I, I can't do a partnership right now. Right. Yeah, sure. We have ideas. We have things that come to mind. We have situations from our family of origin. Right. But unless we actually do the digging and start looking at how we got to where we got we can never make the choice to either stand by it fully, authentically, and wholeheartedly, or shift it in a way that actually serves us and the well-being of this planet. So many people are walking around supporting certain things just because their parents do, or supporting certain things just because they are misinformed, or supporting certain things because that's just like what their friends are doing and they feel like they'd rather not rock the boat. Rather than actually turning our awareness inward, doing the heavy lifting of looking at our shit, right? Like I said, yoga was founded in psychology. If we can sit with it on the mat, we can sit with it off the mat, right? 
looking at ourselves long enough to go, oh, actually, that's no longer in alignment with my value system. But let me explain to you why, rather than it just being a bashing. It's so egregious. It's really, really hard to witness on social media, on whatever. More conversations. And these conversations need to be have need to be had not only with each other, but these conversations need to be had with ourselves. Looking at our belief systems, looking at our values. My mentor, who is just such an angel, her name's Dr. Nikki Monty. Before I started dating again, she was like, okay, we need to get really clear on your values. Like what are your, let's say you have six, you get six non-negotiable values that if this person doesn't have those things, like it's just a very clear no. You don't get to make excuses for them. You don't get to uh, see if they'll change. You don't get to wait around. It's just a no. And she had me get really clear on my values. And it was really powerful for me because I had never really sat down and thought about what I what I really, really needed. And it's not the like big manifestation list, right? Like we've all done that. We all like read the secret back in the day and it was great. It was lit. It was the whole thing. But that's, that's a cool list of all the things you want in a person. Sure. And there's actually an exercise for that too. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but, but the values thing being non-negotiable is really, really powerful because it helps date like dating, just like looking for a job or just like, um, finding a house, right? They're all kind of losing games, right? Like it's hard and it takes some digging and it takes some excavating and it shouldn't be like a frivolous thing. Like buying a house shouldn't be a frivolous thing. Picking a partner shouldn't be a frivolous thing. Like when we're, when we're messing with hearts and large amounts of money, honey, let's take our sweet little time. Okay. So like some of my values are, they have to be interested in expansion and growth, like looking at their stuff and continuing to, to be on a path of growth for this lifetime. Right. I think some of us, I think many people have this theory that like they'll do the work and then it's done and they're set and they're good for life. And I got to tell you, that is not my experience. My experience is that you do some work and then you do some more work and you learn more. And you do some more work, but doing work doesn't on yourself, like looking at your shit doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be scary. It might be at first, but it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't. We get to change the, the script on that and change the dialogue around that and, and change our perspective on that. Right? So that's one of my values. Another value I have is that, um, they have to be physically and emotionally available. It seems so obvious, but I have to tell you, for a lot of my life, I chose people that were not physically or emotionally available, right? So that's a value non-negotiable for me. If someone's like, if that guy comes up and is like, hey, I just got out of a seven-year marriage and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just kind of looking for a good time, like, bye, nice to talk to you. It's really nice to talk to you. Have a good night. Have a good life, in fact. And no, I will not give you my number. Thanks. Right. So those are two out of a few of my values. So looking at your values and 
actually getting clear on what those are and not only clear on what those are, but also getting clear on where those came from. Because some values are outdated. Like they're just, they're just old or they don't even belong to you. They were, they were values from your parents. They were values from, um, and again, no harm, no foul here, but maybe like a, a religious community that you no longer belong to. Or values from a teacher that you're no longer in alignment with, and yet you still hold on to these values. So we need to look at what's underneath them. Where did they come from? Why are they important to you? And back to the list about manifestation, right? The manifestation list that I'm sure we've all done. If you haven't done it, it's all the rage of the thing that you want to manifest, whether it's a partner, whether it's a house, whether it's a whatever, right? Creating, whether you're like creating a vision board or what have you, but like with your partner, for example, and this applies across the board. You make this big list. I remember my list. It was like three pages long. It was huge of all the qualities that I wanted. And I took it to a mentor of mine and she was like, cool. Now circle all the things that you're not. Circle all the things that like you don't really feel secure in. I was circling like, mm, I don't even remember what I was circling. This was a long time ago. Um, oh, this was a while ago. Um, one of them was like, um, financially super stable, right? And I wasn't, I just started teaching yoga when I made this list. And my teacher, my mentor at the time was like, cool. So all of those things that you're not, you have to become those because we attract what we are, not what we want. We attract what we are, not what we want. Right. So if you're making your list of things that you want in a person or things that you want, you know, in a house, even right in a house, you can make a list of the things that you want in a house. Can you become some of those things? Right. Some of them, obviously, if you're like, it needs to have a, a brick frame, like whatever, obviously. Okay. Clearly that's not going to work. But if you're like, it needs to be in a, um, a nice neighborhood. Well, is your mind a nice neighborhood? right? Your insides and your outsides needs to need to match. Like I just upgraded to a super dope apartment. I love it. My insides and outsides are matching more now than ever. It's okay for me to take up some more space, right? I have a new big place, right? My insides and my outsides are matching. Cool. So back to this whole like polarization division time. I'm glad that these tough conversations are, ha are happening. I think it's really, really important that we have these conversations. But it's also really, really important that we stay out of our reactivity and stay closer to peace. 
Because the truth is, it's like if someone's ranting at you and yelling at you, what are you going to do? You're going to shut down. You're not like, oh yeah, cool. Let me listen. Let me listen to that. And that's not to say that there's not a time and a place for a rant and a rage. Like I think of, I think of people being like, uh, and this is so not fucking it at all. But I remember, you know, when the Black Lives Matter stuff was all happening, people were like, well, if people were just quieter about it, not so angry and not, you know what? Anger has a place in a process too. Anger has a place and a process too. But when it comes to things like politics and we're just having like a debate on social media about Trump 2020 versus Biden 2020, we, we don't need like the rage to be flowing. Save the rage for your boxing class, punch a pillow, write it out, burn that shit, do what you need to do. But the way that we're going to get shit done, at least politically, is by slowing down and actually having conversations rather than reacting out of old wounds and old shit and stuff that you, again, should save for the pillow. The pillow can take it. Conversations need to start happening. And... It's amazing because I think the way that we do anything really is the way that we do everything. And so looking at how we have these tough conversations with other people, it's a big indicator of how we speak to ourselves. Yes, I know the insides and the outsides need to match. So rather than it being like an aggressive fuck fest, can we slow down and have some compassion for people with points of views that are different than ours? That does not mean that every point of view is right or politically correct. I'm not validating anyone else's points of view, right? Or devaluing it, right? Neither. But we do need to start having more conversations and it begins with a more internally peaceful environment, right? I had a theme to class the other day that was peace begins with me. And it was so funny because the universe was like, (laughs) cool, peace begins with you. Let me totally give you the craziest, most ridiculous day ever where nothing's going to work, nothing's going to get done, and it's going to be not cute. And it was just so ironic. I was like, God, peace begins with me. God damn it. Now I have to really walk my own talk. Blah. You know, it's like, I really didn't want to have to, to live, live my own truth on that one. And yet just was what it was. But I'm so grateful for that because it, it, those are like winks from the universe. I find when I like talk a certain talk and the universe is like, oh yeah, cool. Let me see how you handle this. Then I was like, damn, damn it. But you know what? I, I, uh, I started this course. I'm, I'm like, if I have an addiction, I'm addicted to learning more about humanity and certainly learning more about myself. And I started this course with a woman named Dr. Sam Rader, who's truly remarkable. And I'm really excited about this course. And there were a few things got brought up which I won't mention what brought up was brought up in the course because it's really not for me to share and it's confidential. But what did get brought up was our relationship to, to peace, even when things are tumultuous and scary. And there was a, a Thich Nhat Hanh quote that was brought up that I'd like to share with you because I think it, I think it serves. I think it's important. It goes like this. We often think of peace as the absence of war. 
that if powerful countries would reduce their weapon arsenals, we could have peace. But if we look deeply into the weapons, we see our own minds, our own prejudices, fears, and ignorance. Even if we transport all the bombs to the moon, the roots of war and the roots of bombs are still there in our hearts and minds. And sooner or later, we will make new bombs. The work for peace is to uproot war from ourselves and from the hearts of men and women. To work for peace is to uproot war from ourselves. Right? If we're so busy battling outside of ourselves, the insides match the outsides. What's going on internally? Where does that war live within you? And how can you uproot that, understand that, get clear on that? How can you heal that, negotiating a gentle truce with that so that it's not ruling your life, it's not driving your car? That peace begins with me. It's real. But what are you doing to create that within yourself? What can you get rid of to create a more peaceful environment internally? What beliefs can you change to create a more peaceful environment inside, outside, any which way? The very thing that you feel like you can't let go of is probably the thing that you need to let go of. Just FYI. Right? The thing that you're grasping onto. Oh, there's Hugo snoring again. Hugo, you are the star. You are the star of this show. Let us be super crystal clear about that. (sighs) So I ask you, my loves my legends, my savages. What is one commitment that you can make this week to create a more peaceful environment for yourself? Let's start inside. What is one thing that you can commit to, one commitment that you can make to create a more peaceful internal environment? Maybe it's about creating something new. Maybe it's about letting go of something old. Maybe it's about carving out more time for the things that make you feel more peaceful. I mean, I got to tell you guys, I can tell the days that I meditate versus the things that I don't, the days that I don't. I can feel it in every (laughs) word I say. I'm sure you guys can tell too. Right. And then whatever that commitment is, can you maybe share it with someone, someone you trust, like your ride or die person and allow them to hold you accountable, allow them to keep you honest 
about choosing that, about staying intentional that way. Maybe you want to write that commitment down and put it on a post-it note and put it on your bathroom mirror just so you know, right? You're like, I got myself, I got myself. Because part of that is about building trust. Part of that is about trusting that when you make a commitment to something, you're going to actually follow through because you owe it to yourself, because you actually like yourself enough to choose that thing. Trusting yourself enough that you will stay true to that commitment. I would love to hear from you what you're committed to this week. Um, Please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Alexa Silvaggio. Um, Please do share this with your friends. Please do continue to listen and, and let me know if you have any feedback. I would love to hear. That's a commitment that I would really like for you to make. Is <laughs> for you to let me know, you know, what you want more of and what's, what's working. Cause I am, I am here to, to share as much as I can. I am committed to showing up authentically for each and every one of you best I can and making that commitment is something that I trust I can follow through on. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your time and uh, stay savage. Oh, my love. All right, you guys, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen to this wisdom, to listen to uh, all this goodness. Um, Once again, gentle reminder to please check out savagelosangeles.com to learn more about my new company that I'm so proud of. I hope it inspires you to create and cultivate a life that you dig. Um, And also, if you are down and have, you know, oh, I don't know, 10 seconds, then please, please give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Super easy. Just give it five stars, maybe say a few kind words. And if you dug it, please share it with your friends. I would be over the moon with gratitude. Um, All right. You guys are the bee's knees. Much love. Stay savage. Stay savage.